All right, welcome back. I want to invite you, if you are uh, willing, um, to turn your cameras on so we can be in this space together. I can see you and not feel so awkward. Hey. <laughs> All right. You look good. So we are... Um, in a time of meditations here at Root and Branch, last week, or two weeks ago, we did this uh, meditation with the idea of God's love, where I shared a bunch of personal meditations with some time throughout um, for each of you to kind of do your own work as well and thinking. So we'll do something kind of similar today. Um, so if you need to, I invite you to prepare yourself with a journal, if you have one, that sort of thing you want to write with or get your notes app ready or find your favorite thinking pillow to hug or whatever you might want to do. Um, but back to the season of Lent. So Lent is an old tradition in the Christian world and marks the 40 days before Easter, technically not counting Sundays or parts of Holy Week. If you're doing the math in your head, you'd, you'd be like, that's not 40 days before Easter. But so some days are omitted. And of course, 40 days is sort of, uh, or 40 as a number is a sort of special number in the Bible that represents periods of trials and tribulations before big changes occur or something good happens, right? Necessary parts of an interesting story. And I think that's often true for our lives as well. Uh, it rained 40 days and 40 nights in the story of Noah and the great flood. The Israelites toiled in the desert 40 years before they reached the promised land and so on. They're actually like, a lot more of these 40 things that show up than I thought when I looked into it. Uh, but you get the idea. So we really are talking about here, um, in this 40 days before Easter, is a journey, right? A pilgrimage towards a destination. On the calendar, that destination is again Easter. But in our lives, uh, it is a destination I would describe as living our best lives. And not living our best lives in... The way we talk about sometimes say like, hey, I'm going to take a trip to Cancun right now because it's cold, sort of living my best life. Sorry, I had to get a cheap shot in there on Ted Cruz. But living a life that actually fulfills our desires. That to me was what I would describe as our best life. Living a life that actually fulfills our desires. That sounds great. I think, I hope, but there is a claim that is ever present through Christian thought that our desires are very mixed up and all over the place. If we think about this word pilgrimage or, or pilgrim, the one who is journeying, um, it's sort of old French and Latin roots. Um, the word can mean foreigner or stranger. In our traveling, we often feel ourselves as foreigners, as strangers in the places we move through and also to ourselves, right? And desire what we want can feel foreign to us, can be othering like that for us. Now, some of us have been taught to trust our, uh, some of us have been taught to not trust our desires growing up, right? Um, our desires come from an evil place. They're all bad. So do the opposite. Maybe you grew up this way in a very controlling, conservative home or something. Some of us have been taught to not acknowledge our desires, to not really have access to them. And I put myself in this camp. Much of um, my time in therapy is spent with my therapist being like, what do you want? And me being like, 
I don't know. Can you just tell me the answer what I want? <laughs> right? I don't have this access, I think, um, to my desires as much as I would want to. And others, you know, have the opposite situation there with desire where um, they're sort of ruled very much so by at least their immediate wants and their needs. Their, the need to scratch that I gotta have it feeling um, for them, no matter what the cost, no matter who they may hurt or what lies they had to tell to pursue those desires. Uh, it's the opposite end of the spectrum in some ways. I don't think I'd be reaching if I said that, it, you know, I think if we all thought about it, we would all see that our relationship to desire is a complicated thing. So I'm going to start with that here as a way for us to collectively do a little bit of our own thought and meditation on this idea and ask you to reflect on your relationship with desire. What comes up for you in that relationship, in this question about what that relationship looks like? There's no right or wrong answer. Just let yourself feel and think what comes to you. We're going to take about three or four minutes to do that right now. All right, I'm going to invite you to close out those thoughts and come back to the space. The uh, central biblical story for Lent is um, often the story of the 40 days Jesus spends in the desert, fasting and being tempted before he begins to actually like move in the world and, and do his work. Um, in other words, it's uh, the story, it's at the beginning of Jesus's pilgrimage towards the cross. So I'm going to read that story for, for you right now. It's from Luke chapter four of the Gospel of Luke. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, You, uh, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. So this is a, a very Lenten story, I think, for you know some obvious reasons. It's a story, um, I would say, about self-denial and purification. Jesus denies himself food and rejects the temptations of the devil so that he comes out on the other side through the desert uh, clear and clean in body, mind, and spirit, 
very ready to do and be who he is, uh, what his mission is on this earth. Now you can look at these words I've chosen, self-denial and purification with some uh, skepticism, some side-eye for sure. Those of us who grew up in the church um, might hear these words and our ears perk up and not because we like them. Uh, and even if you didn't grow up hearing these words, uh, you know, maybe they sting still a little bit. We live in a time uh, where championing sort of individualism and tolerance means words like self-denial and purification often take on uh, primarily or solely kind of oppressive or judgmental uh, connotations and concerns. But I chose these words um, to get your attention, perhaps, but also because they're really important concepts for me, necessary reminders for me that though I may have found deliverance from the oppressive God of my youth, I haven't yet found deliverance from certain parts of myself. And not just in Lent, but in any true moment of spiritual awareness and introspection, I am asked to acknowledge and be real about the parts of me that need to change. It's important to say not so that I may be what others want me to be or tell me to be or say I should be, but again, that I might be who I truly desire to be. We often think of changing ourselves in, in purely the negative sense, right? We get rid of this. We stop doing that. Uh, and undoubtedly, that is part of it, but there's great power. And what if we saw it from the perspective of realizing and remembering who it is that we really are? What if that's how we thought of change? That kind of change shouldn't feel like we're being bound and weighed down by commandments and problematic expectations. It should feel like freedom. In this way, Christ's desert adventure is about self-denial and purification, yes, but really it is about liberation. For we're not free until we face the devil and are rid of him. Now, I feel uh, just a sidebar, a quick note. Uh, I need to clarify that I don't mean like a literal devil, uh, like with horns and stuff. Um, I think most of you probably knew that, but I just just wanted to make sure to throw that out there for you. Um, these temptations Jesus is presented with, presented with uh, are not at random, right? It's if the devil was like, hey, worship me and um, I'll give you like this really cool. Sorry, this is such a bad example, but um, I'll give you this really cool stick I found in the desert or whatever. <laughs> I don't think Jesus would have had a hard time being like, no, I'm good. Get away from me. Right. Um, <laughs> whatever, you know, trivial thing that you could be tempted with. The specific temptations in the story are temptations because they actually tempt. You know what I mean? Jesus actually wanted these things. He desired them. But though he had not eaten for 40 days and he was starving, and though his mission was really to wield, wield this power and authority greatly in the world, his liberation came when he was able to say no to those things, not because they were bad in and of themselves, but because there was a greater desire within him to do the will of God for him that was his greater desire. Maybe he wouldn't have been able to recognize or live fully into that desire without facing these temptations first. I think it's uh, fair to say that one of the sort of grand claims of Christianity is that desire for God is good. 
Desire for other things are bad, but not because desire is bad and those things are bad, but because they are not God. The things that tempt us because they are so close to us, because they are, again, things we actually want, they really have a useful way of clarifying for us what is important. They have a really useful way of clarifying what is God for us, what is God to us. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus would go on and say this a few chapters later. Lent is a journey through the desert where we are asked to consider what we need to be liberated from. What is it that tempts us? What is it that is God to us? Take our second pause here to consider that question. What is it that we need to be liberated from? What is it that tempts us? What is it that is God to us? I know that can be an abstract question, but again, don't think too hard about it. Let what comes to you come. Let it move through you and wash over you and work through it in this time. Be back here again in a couple of minutes. Going to ask you to draw yourself back here soon. Well, last week when we sort of talked a little bit more extensively about um, what it might mean to to engage in this meditative work and thinking through questions like this. I mentioned a um, a cooking analogy about boiling food sometimes and how you have to throw out the water continually one time, two times, three times um, before you actually are able to use it. And then it was um, mentioned to me by someone else, like another analogy, which I wanted to offer you is more as like a, um, a tip, a cooking tip, because I think this is really important. You all know you can wash your rice, right? Or you should wash your rice, right? <laughs> I wash my rice like nine times. Um, Got to get that water crystal clear before I cook it, get that starch out. Uh, and a lot of people don't do that, which is insane. I don't know. Anyway, wash your rice. Meditation is like washing your rice. Just... <laughs> All right, so welcome back. Um, I'd like to read for you an extended quote. This is from the Orthodox theologian Alexander Shmemen. What a name. Alexander Shmemen. The purpose of Lent is not to force on us a few formal obligations, but to soften our heart so that it may open itself to the realities of the Spirit. Although Lent is still observed, it has lost much of its impact on our lives, has ceased to be that bath of repentance and renewal which it is meant to be in the liturgical and spiritual teaching of the Church. But then, can we rediscover it, make it again a spiritual power in the daily reality of our existence? 
The answer to this question depends primarily, and I would say almost exclusively, on whether or not we are willing to take Lent seriously. From Alexander Schmemann. To state the obvious, um, all this Lent stuff definitely feels different this year. If you've been practicing it for at least a little while. Uh, Self-denial, fasting, giving up things we enjoy. Most of, most of us have been doing this now for a year or so in some form or another. Um, I honestly feel a little sheepish trying to drive home these Lenten ideas in a time like this. Asking all of us to ponder really difficult things when all of us could use a lot more joy these days. I won't even try to make the case for your sake that there is real joy in this work of soaring through desires and temptations, though I, I actually do believe that is true. But one of the great tragedies um, amongst many of this pandemic is just how little things have changed in our society. Despite the greatest upheaval of daily life most of us will ever face, if we're lucky in our lifetimes. Uh, I see a lot of articles, millions of tweets and think pieces about the changing nature of work from home culture or about the acceleration of technological integration into every facet of our lives and even things like how this vaccine and mRNA technology is going to be revolutionary for a lot of medicine and so forth. But I see little in the way of how our values as a society have actually changed for the better. We, um, as a country, have not in this moment moved towards more equitable structures, equ equitable economic structures, though the poorest among us have and will continue to suffer the most. We have not moved towards reform reforming healthcare systems, elder care, child care, all these areas that have shown themselves to be built on quicksand. We haven't widely recalibrated our notions of value and worth of justice and fairness. We haven't even seen people come together in that kind of cliched way with slogans about united, being a united country or whatever, right? There was more of that when we invaded Iraq than during this pandemic. If the pandemic was a pilgrimage and a destination was for life to go back to how it was before, I would say that we truly would be taking the wrong route. I used to, in my, in my role, uh, I used to roll my eyes um, when preachers or politicians, cough, cough, Cory Booker, got up in front of an audience and yelled about needing to address the spiritual disease in our country. But damn if that hasn't shown itself to be very true right now. And I would say that this question of what God is to us, what God is to us as a country makes a big difference here. It'd do some good if everybody, I think, took Lent Seriously, we may be mistaking the, we may we may be making these mistakes everywhere as a society, uh, 
But I really believe that it matters that we here, us, small band of outsiders in this space, uh, that we don't do the same, that we don't make those mistakes. Freedom is freedom and liberation are infectious things. They start somewhere. I'm going to sound like a 90s after school PSA here, but liberation really does start with you. What God is to you, it really matters. Uh, we'll be um, back together in a couple weeks to go further into all this stuff. Um, maybe extend the lens out a little bit beyond uh, our inner selves. But until then, I really do invite you to take this Lance thing seriously this season. Meditate on desire. Meditate and recognize your temptations. Find practices, do a daily devotional, eat filet fish on Fridays. Whatever thing feels right and works for you, do it. Let's take this thing seriously. Because where we end up, um, the destination of this pilgrimage really depends just on that. Just on that. Amen.